Hi everyone and welcome to ProPrac Symposium. Uh, ProPrac Symposium is a professional practice webinar where artists share their knowledge on topics which were identified as issues in seasons one and two of our podcast. ProPrac Symposium has been generously supported by City of Melbourne and we would also like to thank Psychworks and Centre for Dramaturgy and Curation for hosting us in their office today. We respectfully acknowledge the traditional owners of the land, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and pay respect to their elders, past, present, and emerging, and the elders of the lands that this podcast and symposium reaches you on today. We extend that respect to all First Nations people listening today and acknowledge that sovereignty has never been ceded. This is our second session for today, and it is called Artist as Parent. Um, this session has been highly requested as uh, parenting in the arts is often not represented or spoken about very publicly, um, especially double art families um, or single art parents. It's um, something underrepresented and I think a lot of people who don't have children are or yet to start families um, are interested in how other artists have gone about this. So this is really a, a forum for us to um, chat about these issues. All right, uh, we are joined today by artists Ross Coulter, Lycan Kelp and Lucretia Quintanilla, um, from whom we will be hearing about being an artist and a parent and all the different aspects of professional practice that that entails. Uh, Ross lives with partner Meredith and daughter Roma, who is five and in prep. Meredith is a practicing artist and currently works full time, and Ross is an artist and this semester is working casually as a sessional staff. Uh, welcome, Ross. Uh, Lycan is an artist who often performs with long term partner and artist musician Dylan Martorell. They have two kids, Inez, 16, and Xavier, 11, who tour together with their traveling residency program, Forum of Sensory, uh, Sensory Motion. Welcome, Lycan. Thank you. Um, and Lucretia is an artist, writer, DJ, and PhD candidate at Monash University and shares care of her son, Ruben, who is 14 with his dad. Welcome, Lucretia. Hi. Um, thank you all for joining us. Um, I want to kick off this session by riffing on a question that we normally have in our podcast with, where we ask uh, people to give us a day, um, a typical day as an in your practice but also kind of extending this question for you each to give us a moment to run through what a typical day in your household looks like um, and uh, understanding that at the moment everything is really different with COVID and we'll get to that um, but pre-COVID if you could just give us a um, each of you go through what kind of how your days are structured that would be great. Uh, so pre-COVID, my day always started with dropping off Zavi at school. He goes to school a couple of suburbs away, so usually we drive, occasionally do a long trek on the bike. But um, And then I was saying to Ross before, because we were talking about cafes, that I usually then try to break up my day of having to get everybody sort of ready and motivated to get out of the house um, and before I start work just breaking up those kind of two things that sometimes feel like they have a little bit of pressure attached to them by going to a cafe, having a coffee and just having some time to myself and, you know, catching up on Instagram, unlikely, but maybe reading an actual magazine or book, <laughs> um, possibly meeting someone briefly. And then I did have a studio at Testing Grounds until recently, so I was often going into Testing Grounds um, which went straight there, which was great. And 
usually doing like four or five hours work and then heading back to the house, doing a bit of home stuff and then family stuff again. So, and then back to work as the kids were kind of doing their own thing after dinner. Mm. The computer for several hours, often doing writing and things like that. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, Ross, we might move over to you if that's okay. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. I, I guess Rome is a bit younger. Um, she's uh, starting, well, started prep this year or is start, starting prep this year. I don't really know which one it is at the moment. But prior to that, prior to that she was um, at childcare. Uh, uh, so typical day, like during the, during the weekday was, uh, I would drop, I would drop, or Meredith, depends on, so Rome would go to, it's, it's, it, yeah, I feel like it's sort of difficult because there's, yeah, it's such a, I feel like, I feel like our life is such a jumble <laughs> where you're kind of teaching, well, I'm teaching um, casually at Monash and I was teaching at Deakin. And Meredith is teaching. She's come full time at Monash until the middle of this year. This year. So, um, oh, hang on, hang on. I think I've got a message that I might sound a little bit weird because my mic is, uh, is uh, not have, doesn't have the right setting. I mean, I might sound weird anyway, but uh, but. Uh, you you are breaking up a tiny bit. Do, do you want to go? Do you want to go to Lucretia and then yeah. um, come come back to me if it's okay? Yeah, great. Um, all my days are pretty different. Um, I uh, do a, a few different things, do different um, in different places, but usually um, up until COVID, pretty much, I've had my son about seventy-five percent of the time. So that is a, a routine thing. So we get up. Um, get breakfast ready he's 14 so he makes his own breakfast and he goes to school um sometimes i drive him it's a bit ridiculous his school is really close but that's how it goes and if i drive him i will go for a walk around the park near his school or if he's still if i'm still here i'll get dressed and go for a big walk and that because depending on what I'm doing, that sort of sets me up for the day. And then I go about doing whatever I need to do, which is um, a lot of things. Uh, Sometimes I teach. Some other days um, on a Thursday, I do all of the things that are like, um, I call it like my security day where I, I make all, do all the sort of um, hustles that keep my art practice together. But on a Monday I do admin, so I stay here for that. And then on a Wednesday I may teach, on a Tuesday I'll go to the studio. And then Friday comes, and then I have Friday, all Fridays off. And I sit here and yeah, and not off work, off, Ruben goes to his dad, so her house, and so far, and so I just collapse. Or I, I go out when I have DJ gigs, so I'll go and work and do some DJ, which is fun work, and I love it, yeah. Yeah. Cool, I really like, what did you call Thursday again? 
I, I call it my miscellaneous hustle day in my calendar, actually. That's <laughs> great. I like that. It's all the things that you can imagine that a person could cram into a day that is not art-related that <laughs> would make a person enough money to not feel... Yeah, it's a really big day. It's a yeah. Big day. Yeah. And kind of nice to limit that to one day because otherwise there can be stretches of time where if it takes over in your mind, that hustle. Yeah. When you're trying to rustle up funds for something. Yeah. Um, we might shoot over to Ross. Um, how's your microphone going? I don't know. How does it sound? Is it a bit better? Okay, cool. Like, it's interesting to hear uh, Lycan and Lucretia talk about that kind of separation time as well, like from the drop-off um, of the your humans, you kind of need to kind of get, like, I don't know, sort of gather some sort of thoughts or kind of create another space from that, from what you've been doing, um, which kind of resonates for me. So I guess at the, at the start of this year, because Meredith was working uh, full time and I just had two classes, which is now reduced down to one, um, I was dropping off Roma and doing most of the pickups, I think, the majority of the pickups. Um, so we kind of sh shambolically get out the human organized, um, making lunch, making lunches. It, it, it's, it's really, you know, the, sm you know, the small things you do. Uh, yeah. You do a lot, yeah. Like the great thing about childcare and I don't know, like, and, and Lucretia, whether your children went to childcare or um, had that situation with the, the childcare, they, pro they provide the children with the lunches. And when you go to school, though, you have to, like, you go, like, oh, there's just, like, all this extra like, little thing to do. And with childcare, because it's, it's longer, because you can drop your uh, kid, children off at, at our childcare at Monash, it was between 7, but we get there, like, 7 to, sorry, 7.30 to, like, 8.30. And then you can pick the your child up at like four thirty or five o'clock. So it's sort of like a almost a regular working like working day. Like it's not like an artist day where you start when you start and you end when you end. Yeah. Um, and then like what I'm noticing now is like with the school day, the drop off is you know we leave home. We we live kind of close by, a ten minute um, scooter. And uh, takes us, yeah, ten, twelve. It's a ten-minute scooter. Takes us fifteen minutes to get there. <laughs> and um, we uh, we drop off uh, the human. So that's at nine, and then you're picking her up at three thirty. So your day is what I really sort of notice is the day is like a lot a lot shorter um, yeah. now. Yeah. You know, like it, yeah, it kind of compared to like a person was you know working nine to five. Let alone what you know an art day. Remember those old fantasy days of you, you what your day as an artist would be it's somewhat different now yeah i find that four hours is the maximum studio time i can have now i still try and get home by four um when i have roots because it's a nice time it's like having a cup of tea and then i'll come and do some stuff that i can do from home but yeah it's a shorter day hey it's not like you can those i don't know the bohemian dream is dead now not that i ever lived it that's a myth it's a myth people <laughs> i'm um i'm wondering if um any of you have any um, systems or strategies in place that when you're working on a project and it's getting to kind of crunch time where like you might be installing or um, 
you have to spend, like the project is requiring a large amount of time. Is there anything that you do, um, any systems you have in place to um, look after your children or are your children there with you and they've learnt to roll with seeing you guys in stressful situations and like, or even help out or is mm. it, um, does that kind of shift and change when you are working up to a project? Um, before seeing as an artist and Dylan was the only artist in the family and then as was little, she would often um, attend his like installs and end up doing like a really small little exhibition over in the corner while he was setting up, which was yeah. so sweet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think it was maybe before he started having bigger gallery shows. I don't know if they would have allowed a small child running around for OHS reasons, but um, yeah, very sweet. Um, that happens less now. I think she's kind of interested in what we do, but she's definitely very independent and got her own life happening. Um, but one really nice thing that's eventuated from COVID is that we have an empty studio space in the warehouse down the road where we used to live and still have his artist studios. And she's moved into that empty space to have some time outside the house and is doing painting there. And um, yeah, a friend of hers who inherited some money from her grandma was like, can I please pay you guys like a hundred dollars and share the space within this? So that's been, yeah, kind of heartwarming to see that despite our shambolic artist as parents existence, she's obviously not scared enough to be turned away from that. Opted in. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So COVID obviously has had a, a, a really drastic um, impact on everybody, um, but has there been any really significant um, changes that you'd like to talk about um, in terms of how uh, how you're making and how you're um, hanging out with family as well. Things are, um, a 14-year-old boy wants his own time. He doesn't want to be with his mom in freaking isolation <laughs> without his friends. Like he's, he's a very social person. Mm -hmm. his, his friends are his life and that incidental bumping into people at school or after school doing things has been really difficult for him because he's like a people person and there's no people that he'd like to spend time with in here which is you know hard not to take personally but i totally <laughs> understand it i have been spending some time alone and i want to run away and i can't but you know i i find that um that's been really difficult, but he's getting through his work and I've, um, I, I'm doing my work when he's not here mm -hmm. and I go for more walks when he's here and um, so we give each other space, but I'm making more work that is, I can do on the computer. So I'm writing a bit or I'm making sound things yeah mm -hmm. cool have either um ross or okay. Lycan, actually like and we were kind of discussing this at the beginning um 
before we started about how you've just like finished a huge residency um, and got home just as um, the situation was intensifying and borders were closing and you were away from your family for quite a long time and now you have this kind of condensed time together. Um, would you be able to speak a little bit about yeah. that? Uh, well, it was a fairly special experience for me, I guess, getting to spend six months doing my own thing in an exotic location and meeting lots of people. And um, I had done it once before, I think, to Thailand. I did a conference residency thing called Digital Naturalism Conference, mm -hmm. um, which was two weeks in 2018. Um, that was really great. Six weeks without the family turned out to feel like a lot as I was coming up to it. And then while I was in the midst of it, it was like a fairly remote residency out in the middle of the desert and it was beautiful and the other artists were great and there were so many good things about it, but it was challenging as well. Mm -hmm. um, and the other residency thing that I did last year was a series of shorter residencies out on a houseboat in Gippsland um, with Float, which you guys should all check out. It's amazing. Um, and that was also really challenging for me because I'm always either with the family or with my artist friends or, you know, sort of working collaboratively. I don't sort of allow myself much solo studio time often. So setting out to be like on a houseboat in the middle of a lake I was having like mini anxiety attacks about it before I went. And I feel like both Morocco and the East Gippsland Lake experience kind of set me up quite well for COVID in that I got used to just having quiet time being okay with that. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of making, since I've got back, is my internet Cutting out? Uh, it, it, a little bit for a second there, but it's okay now. Um, I have slowed right down. I've had sort of, you know, the whole gamut of emotions that everybody's had about COVID and about being in a house with the same people day in, day out. Um, and just have been really uninspired and unenergized to be finding time or finding it difficult to find time amongst all the family busyness, weirdly, um, to really actually want to be doing anything and enjoying when I hear people on social media talk about this should be a time to be adding to the sort of capitalist machine of productivity. I'm like, yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah. It aligns quite nicely with my, um, yeah, mm -hmm. laziness. It's not laziness, it's, you know, yeah, well, I think it's only human that, um, you know, I, I, th I think it's sort of a lot of people been pitching like, oh, there's so much time to like make art right now. But I, I don't think that people should really, you know, feel pressured to um, have to produce right now. Like that, it's, it's literally an unprecedented, you know, worldwide event. And, and um, additionally, if you have small humans, you have to yeah, care for um, and renegotiate their education mm -hmm. and, um, to be adding on top of that the pressure of needing to produce a whole new body of work that deals with COVID or... Yeah. 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 Um, um, I've been doing a bit of mushroom foraging while I've been uh, 
before sort of restrictions tightened, we were going out to the forest to pick pine mushrooms and stuff. And often these talks kind of turn to magic mushrooms and a friend of mine was like, oh, well, you know, I'm not interested in like taking any psychedelics or anything right now because these times are kind of psychedelic enough. Yeah. And I was sort of applying that to my practice, thinking about it afterwards, because I often think about the work that I produce, the imagery as, I guess, fairly psychedelic and about providing performative experiences that kind of provide a drug experience without the drugs and I was like at this point nobody needs to feel sort of slightly unsettled or weirded out by uh maybe that's another reason that I'm Mm -hmm. not feeling inspired to create um Russ how are things in your household at the moment they're interesting um so with a little prep a new preppy so I guess she's getting used to school we're getting used to school and now we're getting used to homeschooling and uh, that requires uh, a lot of attention so um, we've got a timetable how do we handle things Oh yeah, she had lunch. That's the sort of like there's there's the cool things like uh, the cool things are like sh- they have a snack, they have a snack and uh, brain food at uh, primary school. Brain food. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, um, so it's nice that you have it. They have, you're like have an enforced break, and then whoever's work. If I'm you know if I'm in the office working, we've got a, a, a space where we use as an office at home, and um, so whoever's taking the homeschool class um, they'll provide the brain food or the snack or the lunch for the other person the yeah. other kind of working partner which is kind of cool and then are we there's a lot of device time i guess like a lot of learning is done um on the screens or mediated via screens and so i guess we have a bit of you know we put try to put our devices down and we have a little snack um which is cool um, but that, yeah, so that, that requires a lot of, a lot of attention. I guess the primary school teacher, Mr. Pike said, uh, you know, we're loading you up. So just get through whatever you can get through. And I guess, uh, yeah, I guess there's like just changing the, um, yeah, I think as, as parents, you have all manner of expectations of what you should be doing or could be doing or would be doing, or I don't know, I do. And, um, yeah, I feel like there's an extra pressure of, like, oh, getting my, our child, you know, you know, and I guess it comes, you know, getting our, you know, child through this time. And I guess the thing that kind of keeps being reiterated to us is the just the health and well-being of your little human, you know. If you get through all the activities or not, doesn't really matter so much as long as you, you're not kind of um, killing anyone. I think that's the important thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, so Ross, is is it right? Uh, is Roma had just started prep um, this January? Yeah. Yeah, right. So um, how much um, time did she actually get um, for physical classes before? Um... Uh, close to one term. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, one term. Yeah. yeah. So you know, at the start, she was. You know, it's like it doesn't really mean that. You know, it's not like a May, you know, it's like, oh, we're doing a homeschool. Okay, we're doing a homeschool now. Okay. <laughs> we didn't, um, 
we didn't uh, mention it as a school holiday because it's like, what are we going to do on the school holiday? Let's just, <laughs> let's just do some activities and let's start our homeschool now. So don't mention it to her. I love She'll that. Probably... I've added a new subject to Ruben's schooling. So I've been thinking as well. I've, um, I've added, well, he, obviously he's 14. He knows I'm not being sneaky. I'm being sneaky. I mean, he's aware. But I've added Spanish, high school Spanish. Oh, so, so I ordered, when all this happened, I ordered all these books. And, I, yeah, so he has homework and he's doing it and it's great. Like, you just, I don't know, I feel like maybe this is where, like, art and, like, how good we can be at being, um, what's the word? like pragmatic you know we start to like have bringing those things yeah yeah um so going back maybe a little bit pre-covid situation we're in now um i was just wondering if there's any like major logistical challenges i think you've all kind of spoken about time um but yeah logistical challenges that you've had to face working in the arts with children whether it be like you're an arts job or um making work or working another job to support your arts practice maybe um like in uh, if, if you could maybe um enlighten us a little bit like how you know um going on your residency um, how how your sort of discussions around how you were going to um, you know take that time away from family you know was that a a major kind of like logistical challenge to kind of um, change your sort of family routine to kind of fit that that in or how did you sort of approach that? I think uh, maybe one of the benefits of being part of a two artist families that we're both quite used to just flexibility and um, also there's a level of disorganisation that sometimes can be beneficial where um, as much planning as you can do anyway, often things fall by the wayside and have to be re rethought about. So um, Dylan is really supportive of me doing these projects and I guess, you know, my kids are older now and there's a lot of sort of travel and adventuring and kind of things that I want to do that don't work in so well with the family anymore. And we've talked about this over the years that when they were little um, or littler, that they could kind of accompany us on our trips overseas more and do the residencies with us and it wouldn't impact their schooling too much. But when you at like year 11 and 12 that she wouldn't be able to just long so um dylan's been good about me taking time out to do these projects and um yeah i think because i was so family focused up until like a year or two ago um that i guess it's just the right time for me and for the family to feel okay Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Ross or Lucretia, have you had to kind of overcome any logistical challenges in terms of like exhibiting or performing and um, needing to um, maybe adjust to a um, environment that isn't always super accommodating for children or for parents who have a different 
time structure than people that don't have children. Mm. I, I've been, I, I feel like I'm very lucky in that I have uh, been very supported by people when um, they know I have a child. It's, um, feel really encouraged and uh, yeah, and people are quite flexible. Um, I worked in this show at Cunningham Gallery last year um, and it was all about parenting and it struck me just, um, yeah, people are really, it's taken quite seriously, you know, in some ways because it, it's a, it, it can be quite an informal community. Mm -hmm. And I, I, yeah, and I, if I, my son is old enough that if he can't come to something, um, I can arrange, you know, he can, he can stay home alone for a couple of hours. Mm -hmm. He's uh, not interested in art. He's very post art, but he's very good at it. So mm -hmm. he, he kind of refuses to join, you know, I think he's like, he knows he's better and he doesn't be a part of my ridiculous um, anymore. So it's actually quite good. And um, I have lots of really great friends. Like I have, I feel really, I feel really lucky. And you know, for all the, it, it makes up for not having any money, you know, um, that I have this, <laughs> this um, thing that I had never, I never, actually pictured was a thing that to have such a big supportive uh, group of people of different ages mm -hmm. it's really good um, but yeah there's no money so yeah. hence the extra hustle yeah but um, adding to that it, it takes work to build those communities as well mm -hmm. um, and that's um, that often goes unseen that you you are kind of um, maintaining those relationships takes a lot of effort and time as well. Yeah. Mm. This is really beautiful. Sorry to interrupt. This is oh. a beautiful quote uh, where Toni Morrison, who the writer who uh, wrote all her books at night time, she said that she wrote her books at night after her kids went to sleep, and you know, it's about finding that those times, I think, I'm trying to say, you mm. just can't squeeze stuff in, like mm. find those extra minutes and hours. It means we're overworked, I think. Yeah. It's about asserting, you know, your okayness with being a parent on, you know, on a par with being an artist as well to not sort of drop the loyalty or the obligations to the family in exchange for an opportunity. Like I remember hearing Dylan on the phone talking to someone like at the NGV or something and they were trying to set up a meeting. He was like, okay, well, sure, I can do a phone meeting, but it'll have to be between school drop-off and school pick-up. And I was just like so gladdened to hear this. I was like, I've chosen the right you know, person to have it a family with willing to put his career on hold, 
and wasn't able to have that meeting and that meaning that the show didn't go ahead or whatever. I was confident and, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think maybe for women, harder thing to, harder call to make. You sort of have to work against being a parent somehow as a, a female artist with a family that maybe there is like more sure to be sort of in a space of denialism about having kids mm. when you're fronted with chances that you have to somehow arrange for them to be looked after by somebody else and that that's all going to get managed so that you can get on with really pushing yourself forward a bit mm-hmm. um but you know it doesn't have to be that way either i guess if you just feel confident enough to ask for people to be flexible they often are mm. Yeah, I think that's what I'm, I find, that you have to be assertive. And I think people are, um, I've never had anyone say, actually, that doesn't work, or that's, we have a deadline here. Maybe it's my approach to it as well. You know, this is what I'm doing. This is, this, like, Dylan, like, I, this is how I'm doing it, and I'll come back. Sometimes, you know, um, you know, I've, I've never had, sometimes people are like, oh, okay, but usually that negotiation goes quite smoothly. But, yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know, somebody was talking about neoliberalism and the art sector, but then I, it made me realise that, like, most professions I like this, you know, it, maybe they have a, a less negotiating time. Maybe it's less informal, you know, most, if you go to an office or if you work as a cleaner or if you work in, out in other precarious workplaces that are less, that are, you know, that are out there, you still have to negotiate that. And, you know, when I've cleaned, I I also have really great um, employers who will say, yeah, bring your son, you can bring your son. Or I've taken Ruben, he's DJed with me at Laser Pig and he's he's DJed um, with me at at events where, you know, somebody couldn't make it or was unwell and, I've had to, you know, keep friendly events and um, he took over the DJing there too. And, you know, like, it's it's flexible, Uh, you know. A 14-year-old's had a set at Laser Pig. (laughs) Huh? So a 14-year-old's had a a set at Laser Pig. Oh, no, he was 11. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, I think the kids get so much out of the sort of ad hoc nature of artist parenting. The, you know, the different people that they meet as part of the extended community, um, the different skills that they pick up from, you know, being around these people and the interests that they sort of absorb is, you know, having seen my kids go through it um, and be older now, um, I can really see that it's had a a positive impact as, as much as it's, you know, maybe not being as stable as they would like at different times, but... I would say, um, as someone who doesn't have a child, that it's a positive environment for others to have children around as well. Um, 
when you're working with people that have children um, and there's children around during install or um, in meetings, um, someone who I have collaborated with for a long time has um, also, like, we were working on a project um, during her giving birth over the course of the first year of that child's life. And that experience was so incredible because it gave us another perspective um, to be aware of when creating work and thinking about how we approach um, things. And yeah, it was for someone who doesn't have children, for me, it was really important to um, have that experience as well. So I think it's a positive all round. Mm. Yeah. I was just thinking of, of from um, the, when Lycan was talking about Dylan on the phone, I, I think there are like opportunities for um, fathers to bring parents or to bring their to bring their children into the conversation a bit more too mm. because yeah I, I don't know because maybe sometimes there's a reluctance for a father to talk about um, parenting or, or what their responsibilities are or you know <laughs> could be or should be or be I don't know but um, yeah I think kind of for fathers to bring in to the conversation you know, if it is talking to the NGV or like these are the hours that, you, you know, that I'm available because I, you know, I, you know, I, I have to look after my children or I'm, I don't know, whatever it is that you're, you know, doing kind of like, yeah, I feel like, oh, I was watching this uh, documentary on Julian Schnabel last night and it was all about, um, you know, the classic, you know, great male artist making his work and the, and the, children are sort of in the background, sort of, you know, <laughs> like, uh, it wasn't really anything I, I didn't really relate to that, ex that experience. I, I don't, I don't know. You can sort of, you can, it's, you know, I don't know how you can sort of do that in yeah. where are we? Separate out the things. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the priorities, you know, we, and there's sort of the great myths around them, you know, the art, you know, the art, the male artist, you know, I, I think that's, you know, hearing like in your example of Dylan talking on the phone and bringing his children, you know, like bringing his children into the conversation, I think is, is there's, a, there's good opportunities, you know, for, for fathers to do that, which I think, yeah, is pretty important. Yeah, I, yeah, I think that's really great to highlight. And I think, um, with Procrat, we've often tried to have a conversation that, that kind of really reflects the realities of um, being an artist and that sometimes we need to show that, you know, there's limitations on times or sometimes things can be complicated and a little bit more messy because otherwise um, people will want to make you work within timelines or things and like expect artists to kind of be very magical and just like kind of turn up with these finished products on either ridiculous timelines or like budgets, budgets. Mm. and um, that it needs to be quite explicit um, from the artists and what they need um, and what their boundaries are both like financially and with time otherwise the expectations will continue to be on artists to just be like pulling shit out of the air, like, and being having all the time and being overworked and over like overcommitted. Um, I, I think that's where, yeah, like, what Lucretia is sort of saying is, you know, just picking up what you were saying, Lucretia, about not almost kind of pushing back against those expectations as well, or, mm -hmm. or just informing 
you know, people about the, the situations of, of um, the limitations of time or whatever it, whatever it might be. And there is, an, there is a, the, an, a possibility of an openness to the, and an understanding. And as I guess, Nicole, as you're, uh, you're saying as well, and, and um, Kira, there is, uh, there's opportunities for the other person who, who might be a parent or may not be a parent to, to offer support or, and then to gain things from that experience as well, that exchange and interaction with the, the little human. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or bigger humans or whatever the human size is or shape. Yeah, I really feel like I really feel like there's a, a culture that is um, sort of more of an institutionally like the um, where it's not a gallery is not a place where you take your child or a gallery, you know, when you're setting up, like I like was saying before, or um, they're adult spaces and um, they're, or family, strange for family, but I feel like um, maybe because of openings, you know, openings are not for children, it seems. Mm. Sometimes they are, sometimes they're not. But I feel like you're not going to actually find that out unless you take your child. You know, and you know, you know, like maybe sometimes you don't feel like taking your kid, but sometimes you do actually want your child to see something. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, like you, I mean, I, I don't, I don't see these spaces as networking spaces. Uh, unless you know, when my child was little, uh, he would go and. He would make friends and entertain himself, but it was pretty obvious the space wasn't for him, and it was really commendable <laughs> that he would strike up friendships. And I'm really proud of him for that. But you know, these there are some very cool spaces that are not that are, have a specific language that you participate in as an artist because it is a professional environment, and they may not be great for kids, you know. People are drunk and whatnot. Mm -hmm. I think um, that some of the projects that Dylan and I work on together have been formed by the fact that we're parents and working against some of these sort of restrictions and um, difficulties that I saw being presented when I was like, you know, mostly parenting and doing, um, I had a small business as well that was sort of part-time and Dylan's career was, um, you know, the art component in the family. I was getting really frustrated as his sort of career looked like it was becoming potentially international that, um, you know, the the kids and I could potentially be left at home quite regularly while he went off um, to different places and did installations and had a great time. And I was so not into that. But like out of the two of us, it was me who wanted to be, you know, going to these places and having these adventures and, um, yeah, I was just like restless, you know, still am to be having adventures, I guess. And so that's what kind of formed the travelling residency idea and also just working against this limitation, which was that most residencies that we're encountering that he was looking to apply to, didn't allow for children and I felt like they were really set up for either single males or males that were getting, you know, a sort of um, 
uh, what's the word? A hiatus? No, what's the word? Starts with an S, like a sabbatical. You know, that they would just get this very sort of focused um, time, and that's not how we worked. The the family and the art was all kind of tumbling in to each other. So we set up our own version of the residency, which started in um, India, and then I was changing the format to travel it to different places so that we could be experiencing different places and meeting new people. And the kids were coming along and that was mostly working really well. You know, occasionally there'd be someone along who struggled with having kid energy around. Um, but, you know, it was really important for me to break up that sort of condensed nuclear family situation that we had that I guess, you know, I stumbled into in many ways. I didn't really necessarily expect to have a long-term um, heteronormative relationship after growing up with a single mum in share houses with honorary gay, gay dads and stuff like that. So I struggled sometimes with being in this, um, you know, really condensed living arrangement. And so having travelling residencies was a way to kind of explode that out and bring new people into our sort of family circle. Mm -hmm. Same with, um, with the yurt gigs that we do in the warehouse have become a really sort of strong base for community and super important for our son, Zavi, that um, Inez is not really interested. She's only just started showing an interest in the yurt, which is a big weird tent we have inside <laughs> the warehouse, <laughs> which gigs happen inside of. Um, but those gig performance afternoons often end up getting taken over by kids sort of running up and down the street playing on scooters and operating the smoke machine and blowing bubbles and you know being in charge of the special effects and it's it's really nice like it that's sort of this freeing of those kind of boundaries that I really need occasionally to mm -hmm. um you know have this otherwise sometimes non-core experience <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I, I feel very liberated by, by being able to, um, I, I sort of, I do these, um, I compartmentalize things quite a bit. I have a very, I have um, the way things work. The reason why things work is because I compartmentalize my time. Um, I, I like the idea, you know, once a year, a couple of times a year, I will do events where, uh, where a larger community and lots of kids can go. But I also like grown up time a lot, like a, a lot, a lot. Yeah. I like, I've, I work really, really hard. Like, mm. I work so hard. It's like, I really like to be able to go out dancing with my friends and I, I like to be able to like, yeah, just have that, that, that time, that creative time um, away from, like you were saying, uh, away from the home. Like mm -hmm. I had never gone away until on my own. I had four shows before to New Zealand or here and there on my own for like a week but I went away for a full five weeks last year to Europe. Oh, so good. <laughs> it was 
so good. It was like eat, pray, love, but not. <laughs> because I don't do eat, pray, love. But, <laughs> but I guess um, just that's me being funny, but actually, you know, residencies are really fucking hard work with children. Yeah. Hard work. And if it's just you doing mm. a residency with a child, you have to think about money a lot more. Yeah. So much more. And you need to think about, um, uh, like, Ross's um, timetable. You have to timetable everything when you're in your mind. But, you know, for a child of an age, you still have, you communicate what you're doing all the time with any child. They want to know what they're up for. But, yeah, you have to timetable all the time so that you can get your work done. Mm hmm yeah, so I'm all for time for everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, I um, just want to um, kind of give out a couple last questions before we go over to Q&A. Um, like, and you've really um, touched on this and then um, in an episode we had with um, Tarika in season two, she spoke about when on a residency, I can't remember exactly where it was, but the um, kind of host of the residency had um, laid out like a, a bed and I think a fan for her young child and um, and how much that that meant, that just a sign of kind of welcoming and accepting that she was a mother. Um, and I'm just wondering like in terms of international residencies, but also within our smaller like arts community, do you think that there's any um, areas that could be improved um, to accommodate both parents and children in our arts community? Uh, yes, I think, you know, acknowledging them as humans with as much rights as the adult creative and that they have as much to offer, that, you know, they're informing our creativity as much as we're informing their learning um, and kind of bringing those people into spaces more openly and being okay with the, you know, the sometimes noise or the tantrums and the messiness that that, that can bring. And, you know, that's hard for all of us when we're tired and, you know, trying to be important networkers or, you know, whatever space we're trying to hold within those gallery spaces. Mm. Um, but I think just relaxing those kind of attitudes towards children will benefit us all really nicely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, it's a tricky space, as Lucretia was saying. They're, they're at the same time, they're professional spaces as well, you know, so it's, mm. it is that kind of mixed business. And, yeah, maybe there's opportunities to look at, I don't know, other family businesses or other family or industries that have families kind of, you know, as a part of that, you know, I guess not to, you know, you know it's funny that, yeah, art in, in some ways can be so conservative at some times. Um, yeah. Mm. Yeah, completely. You yeah. know, my favourite, <sighs> I, have, I have a really excellent community of people like a different art world two different like a cultural space that's more you know where like it's more intergenerational 
and then there's the professional sort of institutional space and they function so differently and there's on this in this space here we know stuff and we <laughs> we like you know we like each other's aunties and we listen to each other and we look after each other's kids and we do all and it's still a professional because it's a cultural environment which is so different from this other other world which we have to work in it's really important it's a professional world so yeah it's just about um yeah i feel like yeah, it's always that push and pull of, you know, it, it's good to be able to go to those places alone, to these mm -hmm. ones here. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I might just do one last question. Um, why can you touch on it? I actually think you've all kind of touched yeah. on it a little bit um, throughout the session, but um, what, are your, what are your kids' relationships to art, do they like art? Are they, uh, I think uh, Lucretia, you said that your son is very good at art, but um, yeah, if you could just tell us a little bit about what their relationship to art and art making in your careers um, has been. I think for Rubes, he needs, um, he needs his own space to find out all those things on his own. And I'm really happy to give that to him. And I like him to have a private life away from my extraness. And I think he likes it that way. He's very extra too, don't you worry about that. But <laughs> he, um, he, he needs that time to himself. And we joke that he's post art and I like really believe, he is, but that's only because he's coming up with something really good. Like he's a writer and does his own thing so differently. And, you know, like his artwork is all over, like, sorry, my place is a mess and you can probably not see that there, but he makes it beautiful work. You know, he makes like gorgeous watercolors and, but, you know, he's really interested to know what now, what my, how on earth I do, all, how, how I pay the rent. He's like, what the hell? You don't even sell work. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's my answer. Yeah. <laughs> Russ, however, um, Roma has had lots of exhibitions herself. Yeah, that's sadly, uh, Kira, no solo shows yet. I'm very disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> There's all these group shows. She needs, to, she needs to step out there, be a bit more like Ruben. Like, you know, <laughs> come on. Um, and I guess maybe it's this, and yeah, I'm curious to, you know, yeah, to hear that from Lucretia. And then I'm yeah, curious to hear that from Larkin too. You know, when the ch your children get a little bit older, how they do or don't engage but yeah at the moment she's into it you know she loves drawing but we we also we encourage that too and don't you know we don't put too much pressure on it um and yeah it's tricky that thing with openings i can see like i've sort of seen other um we've seen other kids kind of go at particular there's a point that they seem to stop going to openings even like sort of afternoon openings because it's like 
the kid's just not interested or they'll sit on the, um, you know, as Roma has done at times as well, they'll sit on a screen or a device. So there is that opportunity for like, oh, look, I just want to have the conversation, like an adult conversation for five minutes without, you know, because I think especially in those, maybe in those, those early years of being a parent, you can't, you, yeah, I, for me, I sort of felt like I was kind of craving those conversations that you might have at a, gallery or you know just talking I don't know anything you know just I remember uh talking to a friend who's a dancer and I said oh how's the kids going he's like don't ask me about the kids let's talk about anything else but the kids you know because he you know was a very involved parent and um but you do it do need to kind of carve out that those other times as well but yeah so thank yeah thankfully um Roma I don't know thankfully or not at the moment she's enjoying making work and you know, she, you know, we had a show last year. And I was like, I found it really, it was like this one day event, you know, one day of, um, one day show at, at Musée de Strip. And uh, I just felt like it was just intense kind of getting the work together, hang, you know, like putting it on this tent, like tent, uh, plastic see-through tent in Carlton, like in a nature strip. And uh, I was like, in, it was just like arranging. A, a it felt like more of a performance because it was sort of gone as well. There wasn't that time to kind of like uh, look at the work and sort of reflect upon it. Mm. I was like, oh, man, she, I don't know about this. And she was like, oh, I can't. When's the next one, Daddy? I was like, oh, what am I thinking? Jesus. Of course. <laughs> that's right. That's the attitude. When's the next one? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I, was, I, was, I think sort of like thinking about it as a, yeah, for me, like as a perform, you know, an interesting, like, you know, so talking about these performative, yeah, they, these, yeah, the exhibition is a performance that kind of is unfolding, yeah, is kind of helpful to sort of, for me to think about that you know, as opposed to, oh, the work's on the wall or something. Mm. If it has this more performative element, if the kids are sort of going in and, you know, like going haywire or, or just being kids, um, then that's the performance is working well, you know, or, yeah, so then I guess sort of changing the expectation. I guess it's, you know, coming to terms with my expectation as a both an artist and as a parent or how, and then how, like, how is the work then received? What is the, you know, how is it, under, you know, understood? How is it disseminated? Yeah, how is it, you know, remembered and, yeah, uh, it can have more, yeah, it can have more layers possibly in thinking about the exhibition as a performance rather than like as this, I don't know, exhibition that has different connotations, I guess. Yeah. How about you, like, and... and um... oh, yeah, as I said, Inez is already painting in a studio at 16, so we're, you know, we never sort of had pressures or expectations on her to become artists. I guess one conservative element in us was like doing that thing that parents do, which is like, oh, don't be an artist. <laughs> Take care of us. <laughs> yeah. um, I think we've had that exact conversation. <laughs> um, but also really happy that she's just more that she's just found a space to be comfortable in and yeah. doing her thing and whatever that is. Zavi is really into drawing comics and I feel like he has kind of taken on a bit of sort of my curatorial organisational kind of tendencies to make things happen. And so in COVID, he's 
got a Dungeons and Dragons crew that are happening online and he's set up a drawing club online, which is really oh, cool. Oh, that's so cool. Um, so super happy with both those, you know, artistic elements that are just part of wider, you know, personalities. They're doing a lot yeah. Yeah. other stuff as well, baking and bike riding and all that kind of stuff in these otherwise fairly limited times in what we can entertain ourselves with. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Well, we might um, wrap it up there and throw it over to some questions, which we have a few. Um, I also just want to point out to anyone who is listening, um, who hasn't seen in the chat, um, Meredith and Tarika and um, I think maybe some others have um, popped in some great links um, and resources if anyone is interested um there's a lot there so please check those out um, um and feel free to ask any q a's um just as we begin yeah as well. um so um the first one we have is um from shannon and she was wondering what role extended family or chosen family friends have um played in these artists lives while they have been bringing up their little people uh, well, I'm in a sort of strange situation where I came back to art fairly recently after both my mother and my grandmother died in the same year and I, and I got skyrocketed to matriarch all of a sudden, which was, you know, weird. <laughs> um, and I guess art was something that I had been missing in my life for a while and craving and had all these artistic impulses that weren't being met and so um i didn't have a wider family all of a sudden to help look after the kids while i was taking on this new life um, but the wider friendship community and dylan being super involved you know 50 percent of the time or more um allowed me to make a a life change and you know for full full disclosure I guess as well because often these conversations I think should be tied in with how do we get by when it, you know when we are artists and having to provide for kids um, one thing that allowed me to go back to making art and making art that wasn't you know based around sales was that I got an inheritance from my mum so that freed me up more to, you know, make different choices than I would have otherwise and do things like invest time into running shows at the year and trying to put back into kind of community and... Mm. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I guess, if for me, like, um, my... Uh, like the granny and Noel, <laughs> my my in-laws, uh, yeah, have helped out, you know, incredibly looking after Roma. And um, uh, I guess my parents live a little bit further away and uh, they've, like, they've already got all the grandkids. So they're sort of not done, but, you know, they've sort of, uh, I guess their oldest grandchild is 13, 14. And um, so, you know, Rome is like number seven there. But yeah, like, you know, Jenny and Noel are like uh, f closer and, you know, more interested. Maybe they are more interested. Um, and that's been a source of, yeah, great support. And it's interesting, you don't really know where the support, you just have to start. You kind of can't think about, you can't sort of, you can't think of, I, it's like, 
I don't know the support. Our neighbours, we've got a great network of na- like local neighbourhood friends that have just sort of you know kind of grown up, sprung up um, because you have a hu- like a little human. You walk down the street and then you see someone. Then you're playing at the park together. Um, yeah, and then like you know, then it's like other kids. Then it's like, oh, if other friends having a child, what? How come you're having a you're having a child now? I don't know. It all seems to. It all seems to um, manifest, but yeah, we're you know we're we're very lucky that we've got support. Um, mm. Jenny and Noel have supported us, you know, looking after Roma over the years, and you know are, are, are interested. Not that my parents aren't interested; they're just sort of yeah, further away. Maybe they're no, they're not really. They're like... <laughs> I remember a workmate of mine once saying, "Who's." Um, child was in early primary school and she was saying um to me like it's so interesting who my kind of close network of people are that she calls on are often people that she would never have envisaged her having relationships with in terms of them not being like from um you know similar interests or backgrounds or anything um but it's purely because their children are friends at school and that they have then developed these friendships and shared resources together just because they're within the same community, um, which I think was really interesting. And um, I think she was just kind of having one of those moments where you're like, oh, this is actually who my community is now. And it, I wouldn't have expected it to look like this. Yeah. You know, similarly to Ross, we live in a street um, of really supportive um, and really wonderful neighbours. Um, and so when we lived in the warehouse, they were all, you know, around and present and we would, you know, have, uh, like street parties with film nights and stuff, projections outside on our roller door. And, um, then when we came, when it was time to move out of the warehouse, we were lucky enough to find an apartment in the same street, um, because we were really keen to just stay in this support network. Zavi had, you know, friends in the street and, you know, it was just this ability to kind of pour outside your front door and immediately into, you know, social connections, which was another way of just managing being in a condensed family that you could sort of have this extension of that, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been really amazing that we've been here while the pandemic's been on because we're still able to, you know, occasionally have drinks over the fence and you know one day our neighbours across the road just decided they were going to roast marshmallows in a fire that they set up on the footpath <laughs> <laughs> and it's like you need that stuff because yeah. you know yeah you just need other people every now and then obviously we all yeah that mm. um all right uh we have a question here from jesse um who said Oh, they're interested in what the panel perceives as um, structural inequalities in the art industry that individuals can't negotiate around um, and if those limits shape how they practice. I suppose we, we did touch on that a little bit at the end there, but is there, is there something that, um, that you've all come up against that actually you can't um, sort of negotiate and, and becomes a real, you know, um, something you have to kind of work around? Mm, trying to think. I feel like um, finding spaces outside of, you know, um, I feel like I've I can I've come to terms with what I cannot 
the expectations that are realistic that I can have towards the um, the sort of greater greater sort of institutional sort of art world, and because of that, I I have found other worlds in general, not just as a parent. I have found other worlds through which articulate. I can feel really happy and comfortable articulating things and and creating things and and um, building you know things but um, yeah I, I'm not sure I, yeah there it's a thing it, uh, structural inequality is uh, the it's such a complex I've always been so apprehensive as I keep saying about talking about parenting in the arts because don't do it you know don't become an artist unless you really have to unless it's like this is imperative within you that you can't help it this compulsion or whatever you want to call it within yourself but don't do it because especially if you are a person who really should be following the instructions of your migrant parents and should become an actual lawyer a nurse a doctor an actual your parents didn't come here for you to do this like go and do better yourself you know there are complete inequalities and you get these conversations in which you have to feel like you're like shouting out but uh, I, I have found that like I, I, I have two separate lives and sometimes they cross and I'm okay with having two separate lives many separate so many god maybe eight separate lives yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm hot in all of them <laughs> Is, um, Lachan or Rusty do you want to add to that at all before we wrap up? Uh, I guess just sort of thinking back to um, parenting for a, a moment when, yeah, Lucretia was yeah, saying, you know, you have to be really committed to it. And, you know, if you're, a, a, you know, thinking about your practice, um, uh, I guess I was sort of thinking about parenting too, you know, like, don't don't if you're an artist don't don't do it <laughs> but but do it I, I saw a friend recently a little while a month two months ago and I said oh you know you should have kids you know it'll mess your life up <laughs> it does but I think it's it's yeah it's it's the best thing it's the most you know challenging thing the best thing I know it's the it's definitely a thing. <laughs> I want to, yeah, I want to sort of, if anyone's like on the fence at the moment, just have it. Don't worry about it. Have yeah. it. Just, just get started. Don't worry. Like, let, it'll all work into your community. You'll find your community. Yeah. You'll, you'll work out your art practice. I feel like you can sort of overthink it too much, you know, because you, you never know how good and how bad it's going to get until you, you do it. It's like one of the, but I guess you can, yeah, maybe there's, thought that because people have been doing it for a while having fat children um that you know we're still here i think it's a good enough reason to do it yeah chaos yeah, why not it's chaotic it's difficult both things are hard they're difficult if you if you are not married to a rich person more difficult if you don't um find yourself 
in if you come from a culture which frowns upon you you know having been in this stereotype of your smoking weed and wearing tie-dye all the time even more difficult if you come you know like just either don't do it or actually just go in there and do it and like but mostly don't do it (laughs) 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 excellent advice Um, I have um, friends come to me semi-regularly who are younger looking for advice on whether to have kids and I just go, oh my God, really? (laughs) (laughs) Harder position to be placed in like this, kind of not asking outright, but I can sense that that's where the conversation's going. And so I think my my take on it now is that there's good and there's bad in every situation and you have to, the working at it is to make most it mostly good whether you're single and childless or whether you're you know in a family or whatever setup you have um there's so many good things about all the versions and i really advocate for women to not have kids as well because i think the majority of the pressure on women in society is to have children and they take it upon themselves and so there's like a deep birth separate a streak in me which I feel really wrong about saying I have children <laughs> but um yeah there you go it's my take on it. Uh, whatever you want I think that's a really great place to leave it um thank you all for sharing your stories and your time and um your knowledge in this area it's we're so grateful to have you all on here um And also thank you so much to our audience and those who've asked questions and those who have um, left resources in the chat. That's really helpful. So, um, yeah, just a moment to say thanks. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you you again to City of Melbourne um, for uh, allowing us to do this and SiteWorks and the Centre for Dramaturgy and Curation for letting us use their office today. And yeah, thanks again, Mike and Ross and Lucretia. That was Bye. Thanks everyone. Bye. Bye. Thank you, bye. We respectfully acknowledge the traditional owners of the land, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and pay respect to their elders, past, present and emerging, and the elders of the lands that this podcast reaches you on today. We extend that respect to all First Nations people listening today and acknowledge that sovereignty has never been ceded. Follow us at ProPrac Podcast on Instagram or email us at ProPracPod at gmail.com. If you haven't already, please subscribe on whatever you listen to podcasts on. Please stay in touch, we'd love to hear what you're up to as well.